All right, what is up, Brad fans? Thank you for tuning in, and let me start here. We do have some announcements, and I know before you skip ahead, because the announcements are subscribe, rate, like, follow, all that stuff, we do have some other announcements. I mean, I will include those. Follow us on Twitter, at 2 brad for you on Instagram, at 2 brad for you Follow me, at BVampairedOn, on both those platforms. Rate the show, subscribe wherever you get in your podcasts, all that. Please do all that. Comment, send us a message. But I also got to say, um, another podcast project that I've been working on that you've heard me talk about on this show, the cast of the Unplugged Gems podcast covering every single album by the great Canadian band, The Tragically Hip, is finished. We did it. We finished it. We made it through every single um, album. In depth, me and my good friend Steve and John, um, we're really proud of this series. So if you want to check that out, if you're a music fan or if you're a hip fan, if you're in Canada, you're a hip fan, check that out. Cast of the Unplugged Gems, also available on all the platforms. And we also finally invested a little bit of moolah and got our podcast onto a professional podcast hosting platform. So um, Captivate, we are now with Captivate and I just want to give them a shout out because their customer service was above and beyond. Really helped my dumbass out in trying to set up the RSS feeds, getting all that switched over and everything like that. But if you do notice that you've had any problems with finding the new shows or anything like that, get in touch. We'll figure it out if you know someone that's having trouble getting the new shows. Um, maybe they're they haven't picked up the new feed or whatever. It should be seamless, but just a shout out to Captivate for helping us out with that. Um, this might also change the website in the coming days, uh, but we'll keep you abreast of all these changes. Um, but we're pretty excited about that. Should make posting a lot easier, should make distribution a lot easier, and it's going to give us some sweet analytics so we know where we're at in terms of the Irish comedy podcast charts. Because that's, you know, where we're rated now. So, once again, follow us at TubeRed for you on Instagram, Twitter. Reach out to us. Send us your comments. Send us your questions. Interact. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and then, yeah, leave us a comment. Subscribe. All that good stuff. It really helps us out. Uh, so, yeah, that's about it for the announcements. So, today, you're stuck with just me again. I know, I know. All the characters that I bring on this show are so much more entertaining, but there's some serious business to talk about. Lots of science news to talk about, but today we are going to cover the thing that's on everybody's mind, coronavirus, of course, uh, and we're going to look at the vaccines. So we're going to do an update on that because there was some news last week about the vaccines. You may have heard about it. You may have heard about the Russia story. You may have heard about one of the phase three trials being halted, all this stuff. So we're going to break, we're going to break that down for you today. I'm going to do it for you because that's what I do. I'm here for you. To Brad, it's just me. All right, folks, as promised, we are going to break down the latest on the hunt for the coronavirus vaccine. Um, but first, something came across my desk today that was oh so disturbing. 
uh, a press release about a paper that was just released in the journal Science, I believe, talking about do-it-yourself vacciners. That's right. People trying to make a coronavirus vaccine on their own, presumably in their garage. I don't know. But the paper was about, obviously, that's a bad idea. You know, clearly. But this paper actually talked about how it might also be illegal because experimenting on yourself is still human research and that is subject to ethics reviews and laws and policies and just because you're doing it on yourself you don't get to just give yourself whatever you want in your garage now i understand that that might you know lead to some freedom people maybe we have the mask people that would be on board with this being like you can't tell me what to do with my body you know, maybe there's some overlap here in between the uh, anti-vaxxer freedom of my body to now the do-it-yourself vacciners. It's like, like everything in this world nowadays, it's so polarized that now it's the ends of the spectrum are bending in on each other and meeting at this absurd point. Wow, I couldn't believe it. Uh... And unfortunately, I couldn't read the whole paper because it's behind a paywall. And allegedly, I may have some mechanisms for getting around a paywall, but they weren't working. If, in fact, I do have a way to get around the paywall, which I may or may not. And if I did, it didn't work. So I didn't get to see the whole paper. And at the time of recording this, I didn't have a chance to dig uh, too, too deep into it as to what what's the what's the strategy here are we talking like uh chickenpox parties you know are we talking about rifling through the dumpsters of hospitals for used tissue and uh used masks sniffing on those for a bit to try and expose yourself or are we talking about like you know, people, you know, maybe people like myself that were inspired by the great 1995 film Outbreak to become a biologist and uh, maybe even do a little bit of school around that. But now, you know, sit in their home office uh, making podcasts or in this case, uh, sitting around in their garage uh, with a with a makeshift makeshift lab trying to come up with the coronavirus vaccine you can just imagine a uh, guy in there and the spouse knocking on the door honey what are you what are you doing in there what, what what's going on what are you doing there in the garage i can hear some some glass vials clinking about what's going on in there we got the bug growing we got most of the protein isolated we'll have an antibody test within a week casey's put the bug into rodents and rhesus and if everything goes well we'll know the genetic sequence within a month and if you leave us alone we'll map this guy down to its last gene make you famous sounds great right sounds great from the garage after knocking on the door what's going on in there are you tinkering with your toys again are you Tinkering around in, in your little lab? Then if you leave us alone, we'll map this guy down to its last gene. Make That's right, folks. The sound the, the show now has a soundboard. So we can now hear from, from folks like Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak anytime we want. Fresh, brand new virus. You're still killing. 
That's what these guys are looking for in their garage. Fresh, brand new virus. You're still killing me. And how, how are they even going to get it? You know, how, what, what is the setup here? You need human cells to culture this stuff. You need to purify it. Where are you going to find fresh, brand new virus? You're still killing me. To make your, your, your do-it-yourself vaccine. Mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. But hey, you know, it's not that crazy considering all the other things that are going on in the world today. And so let's get to the real news. Don't worry, I will still follow up on that. I am very, very keen to find out how the what the gra the garage lab setup is. Very interested in that, so I'm not going to let that one go. But unfortunately, don't have a lot of information on it today. But let's look at the the actual, <laughs> the credible hunt for a coronavirus vaccine. And I say that kind of lightly because we heard about Russia skipping ahead on the trials so not 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 so credible there china also did they approved one of their vaccines for use in their military we talked about that last time we did the vaccine update um so there is some concerns but there is credible trials going on and you may have heard that one of those trials uh was halted the oxford university and astrazeneca collaboration which was currently in phase three the phase that Russia skipped, we could just call it that, the phase that Russia skipped. Um, this phase three trial hit a bit of a snag. So the, the trial has since resumed. Everything seems to be back on track, but it was briefly halted because one participant became seriously ill. And, you know, that sounds bad. The anti-vaxxers are going are gonna to jump on that and say vaccines aren't safe, but this is exactly what you want. You know, you, you, you want to find these uh, cases where people get ill from the virus. That's, that's what the process is about. Um, but there's another, another reason why some people are on edge in some of the fringe uh, vaccine skeptic communities are a little worried about the current hunt for the coronavirus vaccine. And that's because the couple of the front runners, this AstraZeneca uh, the Moderna vaccine that you might have heard about, and the BioNTech and Pfizer uh, vaccine. These are all using a new type of vaccine strategy known as DNA or adenovirus, adenoviral vaccines, or RNA vaccines. And together we can just kind of refer to these as genetic vaccines. And again, you use the word genetic, and this is going to, this is going to, this is going to freak a few people out. Um, and this vaccine, these genetic vaccines, are based on a strategy that hasn't actually been approved for widespread human use, especially, certainly not commercial use. Um, they've been researched for decades. Some of the Ebola vaccines um, use this strategy. Uh, and there was an Ebola vaccine, I think, that was developed by the Chinese firm CanSino, which is the one that skipped the, the phase three and allowed it to be used in the military. And they used this genetic vaccine technique, this adenovirus, I believe it was an adenovirus one, um, for their Ebola uh, vaccine. And then because of that research, that background that they had, they were able to switch to uh, making a coronavirus version. So before we get into... Uh, 
why these things sound scary, how they work, and then on to the regulation and what Russia did, where we're at. Let's just back up here and do a quick recap of vaccines, uh, how they work, uh, so that we can understand what's different about the genetic virus or genetic uh, vaccines. So as we know, vaccines are designed to induce an immune response um, in the body, um, the immune system, the adaptive immune system finds different pathogens, bacteria, virus, whatever it is, uh, and it recognizes them. Uh, and then it stores that uh, memory. It has a memory. Uh, so this it recognizes an antigen that is on the pathogen, and it creates the antibodies. Um, and it stores that memory so that any time that antigen, that pathogen, whatever it may be, comes back into the body, uh, it can be recognized and the antibodies can be rapidly produced because there's already a, a record of them. We'll say it like that. And this is what allows your body to quickly mount a, an immune response that is specific to that pathogen. And it crushes it before it can reproduce in your body enough to take you down. So in order for this whole process to work, the pathogen or part of the pathogen, the antigen, um, has to be exposed to the immune system, it has to be presented to the immune system. The immune system has to be able to see it, grab it, touch it, know its structure, get a map of it, and then create the corresponding antibody uh, to match it, to combat it. And this is where uh, vaccines differ, is how they present that to the immune system and what it is that they are presenting to the immune system. So first off, uh, a comp, one of the most common types of vaccines is uh, live, attenu live attenuated vaccines. And these vaccines use... Fresh, brand new virus. <laughs> You're still killing. Fresh, brand new virus. That's right. They use uh, fresh, brand new virus. Fresh, brand new virus. You're still... That's been weakened. So this, this virus that they're using or you know, whatever the pathogen may be, they're using it. It's live. It is what it is, but you've weakened it in some way. So there's a number of different ways you can do that, but they weaken it to the point that it can't re reproduce enough to make you sick, but it's enough that the body is going to see it, the immune system is going to see it, and make those antibodies and make that response. And because it's fresh, brand new virus, it it works really well. It the, the immune system, it's like a natural infection, only one that's not going to kill you or make you super sick. So the immune system kicks right in, does exactly what it's supposed to do, and you get a really strong vaccine response. This is the way the measles, smallpox, mumps, vaccines, this is how they work. You also have uh, toxoid vaccines. So this is when you have, like, say, a bacteria and it produces a toxin that, and that's what actually makes you sick. So this is, a, think of diphtheria or tetanus. Um, you can actually isolate this toxin, a small bit of it. Again, do something to make it less uh, harmful to you, either by a very low dose or some other mechanism to um, inactivate it. Uh, and then you give that as your, as your vaccine. You also have inactivated vaccines. So again, we're taking fresh, brand new virus and we're inactivating it completely. So not just weakening it, you kill it with heat or chemicals. 
uh, and then you use that in the vaccine. And so it's, it won't reproduce, it's dead, it's not going to make you sick, but it still has the structure enough that the uh, immune system can, can recognize it. And then finally, and this is what will be related to the genetic vaccines, is we have subunit vaccines. So in this case, you take Fresh your brand new virus and you isolate just a single bit of it, like a small protein, for example, um, something like you've heard of the spoke, spike protein from SARS, right? We've all heard about that. Um, this is something that the immune system would latch onto and make an antibody for uh, to block it so that it can't get into our cells. This is something that we could use to trigger the immune system. So in some cases, you can you can take your fresh brand new virus yes. and you just take a small bit of it and you use that in the vaccine something like i said that's going to trigger the immune system so genetic viruses or excuse me genetic vaccines um are similar to subunit vaccines except that instead of isolating this small bit of the pathogen um you actually find a piece of genetic material, either DNA or RNA, which, as we all remember, DNA and RNA are, you know, the instructions for the cells in any living cell to make things. So to make that spike protein on SARS, there's a gene for that. Um, so instead of taking that little bit, that subunit, you take, you find the genetic material that codes for that subunit, and you use that in your in your vaccine so what you're doing is you're taking that code for that subunit for that protein you're putting that into the body that gets into the cells and then your own cells will read that gene understand that code and make that protein itself and then either express it on the on the outside of the cell or migrate it to the outside of the cell where the immune system can see it. And it kind of sounds freaky, right? Because you're putting viral DNA or RNA into your body and letting your body actually read that and then produce that protein itself. It's kind of sounds counterintuitive. Like, why would I want to do that? But there are some advantages to this technology. Um, one is that it's, it's much easier and quicker to make when we talked about all the other types of vaccines, you actually, they take a ton of lab work because you have to culture the, the fresh brand new virus in the lab. Uh, you have to grow it in cells and then you, you got to get enough of it that there's enough of, of each dose for each uh, vaccine that goes out, which is, you know, millions and millions. So it's, it's, it's a ton of culturing work. You then have to inactivate it or you have to weaken it. Uh, you might then have to, you know, if it's a subunit vaccine, purify that that one part of it off the rest of the of the virus or the bacteria, and this just takes a ton of time. Uh, with the genetic ones, it's actually really easy to synthesize genetic material. We've got that down pat, actually. You know, it was part of my PhD work was, you know, I would just order chunks of DNA through the mail. You know, it's, it's, it's quite easy to do. So we can, and with our sequencing technology, we can uh, 
We'll map this guy down to its last gene. We can we can find the the areas of the genome that we're looking for, the ones that are going to code for the for the target that we're looking for, uh, and isolate them really quickly. Uh, read the sequence and synthesize the, the 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 chunk of DNA that we need. And with those, then we can you know make these these genetic uh, vaccines. So the, the, the tricky thing is then how do you get that genetic material to go into the cell and into the target cells that you, that you want um, in order to allow them to express it and then present it to the immune system. So this is where we have different uh, delivery systems. So you can use something like a nanoparticle, a tiny particle made of nanomaterials that can go into the cell. Uh, sometimes they use things called liposomes, which are tiny cell-like things. They're basically like empty cells. If you took a, a cell and stripped out all the inner inner parts of it, um, so it's just a fat membrane with a circular fat membrane with an empty packet in the middle, and you can put your genetic material in there. Um, and then the other thing uh, that they use is another virus. So you get another... Fresh, brand new virus. And, it, <laughs> and in this case... Uh, a harmless virus. So commonly what's used is uh, adenoviruses. So if you've heard of adenoviral vectors or adenoviral vaccines, this is the AstraZeneca uh, strategy is using the adenoviral vaccine. So in this case, you take this uh, fresh brand new virus You're still that's harmless, that causes like, you know, common colds, shit like that, you know, nothing, nothing serious. Um, and then you add the gene, your target gene, your vaccinable thing. Uh, you put the gene for that in t into that virus. You splice it into the genome of that virus and then inject a small amount of that virus into the body. It does what viruses do, gets into the cell, and, you know, you, you, get, the, uh, you get this, uh, the, the antigen created. You get the protein, you know, made in the cells. Um, now there's some issues there because some people, because there's a wide, like, because these adenoviruses are everywhere and we all get them, we all get colds, um, we can have a natural immunity to them. So that makes these, these, uh, vaccines not as effective in some people. There's also some people with, um, uh, who are quite susceptible to these. And that's probably because they have some kind of immune condition. So in that case, these would be very dangerous to those people. So this is kind of where we're at right now with with this technology. So it's great, like I said, because you can just, you know, find the find the gene sequence um, really quickly. Then if you leave us alone, we'll map this guy down to its last gene. That's right. You find it really quickly, map it down to its last gene and get your vaccine target in a very, very short amount of time. Um, and that's why it's good for this. That's why we're using it for the coronavirus situation. It's a new virus, uh, and we needed something quick. Um, this could also accelerate vaccine technology overall. If we find that it works and we can get a good uh, uh, system to produce this, this is another thing when we're dealing with a new technology is that we have to make sure that it, we can produce it at scale. So making the genetic material is really easy, like I said. Um, but then the delivery system, can we 
harmonize that across enough labs across the world that they're all making a good quality product like a good quality delivery system with the right amount of dna and stuff in there so these are all things that we don't know yet about this technology so rapid deployment uh plug and play once we know once we know what section of the genome we need to uh, express in order to elicit the immune response you just plug that into the to the virus or the nanoparticle or whatever really really good in that respect but there's some hurdles and challenges uh, that we still have to overcome if we do it if it works this could rapidly change the way that we 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 do vaccines and the amount of time that we need in order to create vaccines um so while it sounds scary it's not really uh I get it, introducing some kind of foreign genetic material into the body that your cells are going to make. It sounds mad, it sounds crazy, but really this is what viruses are doing already. The viruses are already getting into your cells and making your cells replicate its genome. That's that's what they do. So it, we're taking advantage of that process, but instead of the whole virus getting um translated and it killing your cell and then going on to infect other cells we're just we're just producing this one one little bit and this may actually be another um, advantage of this uh, strategy because you're you're following that sort of nat natural infection pathway that a virus would normally do um, you're introducing this thing into the cell which is then replicating a foreign gene and expressing that protein uh, creating that protein that is a natural infection process and like I said you're not doing the whole virus but you're just doing part of it but by going along that pathway it's possible I don't know that we know this for sure yet but it's possible that just eliciting that pathway going through that process the body would recognize that as well as like hey there's an infection going on let me ramp up the immune response um, and then that could you know just create a, a more robust response that would improve the um, the effectiveness of the of the vaccine. Um, I think the other thing is that people hear the word genetic and they start to think of crazy Frankenstein experiments. They're like, we're going to put this genetic material in us, and it's going to get into my genome and mutate me, and I'm going to pass it on to my kids and stuff like that. And it's just that's just not how it works. It doesn't happen. And, and the, the, the DNA in your cells and your lung cells or wherever the vaccine is going to go isn't the DNA that gets passed on to your kids. That's only in your gonads. So unless you vaccinated your testicles or your eggs, uh, that's not going to happen. And it also just doesn't happen that the DNA like goes into your genome and becomes part of it. Um, you know, viruses aren't, you know, not doing that right now. There is some concern when you start talking about reverse transcriptase uh, viruses that have reverse transcriptase, but we're not even going to go into that um, because it's just incredibly, incredibly rare. Uh, and it's, it's just not nothing to worry about. Uh, in the case of uh, messenger RNA, so mRNA vaccines, you'll hear about these. So if you remember from your uh, high school biology, mRNA is the intermediate between DNA and actually making a protein. 
uh, your your cells uh, read the DNA, which is in the nucleus of your cell, um, and they translate that into mRNA, a smaller chunk of uh, genetic material that can then be moved throughout the cell and sent to the machinery that actually builds the proteins, the ribosome. So it's this intermediate message from your your genome to actually the machines that make the proteins. And this type of genetic material is actually really unstable. Uh, it gets chopped up by the cell really quickly, and that's just part of your body's natural mechanism to, if you if your body says, hey, we need this gene, we need this gene product, go read that, give me the messenger RNA so that I can build the protein. You don't want that turned on all the time. You don't want to be always making that that gene product. So there's a mechanism to get rid of that messenger RNA. Uh, so it's actually really unstable. Uh, so there's not really a, a, a worry about it staying in your body for a long time. But this, again, is a is one of the drawbacks of this type of genetic vaccine is that free-floating mRNA in your body um, gets degraded really, really quickly. So then you might need to up the dose in order to make sure that you're actually getting enough of it uh, translated into the protein that's going to present itself to the immune system and and, and give you protection. Uh, so then there's a balance of how much dose do we give without actually creating an inflammation response because these foreign mRNAs floating around in your body, if there's enough of them, your immune system will be like, hey, what the hell's going on here? And, you know, inflammation sets in and you can get this bad reaction. So this is where we're at in terms of, you know, the technology is great, like I said, but there is still things that need to be sorted out. And because it's not been done on a huge scale before, we really, really need to make sure that these efficacy and safety trials are bang on. Ahem, Russia. We need to make sure these safety trials are bang on. Let me say that again, because if you, obviously there's the safety aspect. If you give people something that's not safe, you're going to see side effects and that's going to just complicate the whole situation. But there's also the efficacy question. And especially with these genetic uh, viruses, we just don't know the dosing and stuff yet. Um, it seems that they're not as um, long-lasting or robust as maybe some of the other vaccine technologies. So we don't know how good, how what level of protection you're going to get yet. Um, and so if you send something out there that is uh, not as good... You know, it doesn't give you 100% immunity, um, you're going to give people a lot of false hope. Uh, and they might then expose themselves to situations thinking that they're, they're safe and, and they're not. So safety is one part of the trials that you don't want to skip over, obviously. But this efficacy part is the other, is the other thing. Um, so this brings us to the, the phase three trials, the, the part that Russia skipped. So if you remember from the last time I talked about vaccines, uh, phase three trials for most places, most places involve testing the vaccine in tens of thousands of people all over the world, different geographic locations. Um, but then you also importantly include a placebo arm of the trial. So you have, you're giving it to tens of thousands of people so that the safety 
aspect is covered so that you can see how all these people with different conditions, different immune systems, different genetics, all that stuff, how they react to the virus, what, you know, maybe there's small subpopulations that will get sick from it, that will have a, a bad response or something like that. So you want to see that. So you want to see that in as many people as possible. But you also need this placebo arm to actually determine the efficacy. You know, because we can't, it's it's unethical, obviously, to give a person a vaccine and then try to infect them on purpose. <laughs> we can't do that. We don't do that. Um, so that's why you need this placebo group. So you need something to compare against. So if you have, again, a large enough sample size, you're going to get... Um, enough people who are similar enough in terms of their risk of exposure, the quality of their immune system, their underlying health conditions, all of these things that will be able to say, okay, if, we get, if we've given you know, 10,000 people a vaccine and 10,000 people placebo, and then throughout the course of X number of months or whatever, we see that in the placebo group, they're getting significantly there's significantly more people infected versus the vaccine group that's how you get your your efficacy measure right that's how you know that it actually works that it actually protects people so this is the two sides of the phase 3 trial this is what we uh, this is why we why we need to do these i'm quick to use a sports analogy you want to you want to test something you want to practice you know if you got a, a football team for my european uh, audience an american football team you have all these different scenarios you have all these different plays that you want to run you got to make sure that they work you got to make sure that everybody's on the on the same on the same page so the clinical trials are just like practice we're talking about practice man and if you know sports you'll recognize the famous Allen Iverson from back in 2002 giving us the best press conference sports has ever given us. We're talking about practice, man. Coach, I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. We're talking about clinical not a trials. Game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. We're talking about clinical trials. Not the game. Not the game. We got to do our trials first. What are we talking about? We're talking about clinical trials. What are we talking about? We're talking about practice. practice. We're talking about practice. You want to make sure that your defense is actually going to work. You want to you want to be be ready to go on game day. Practice? Yeah, that's right, Russia. Practice? And I know, I know, Russia's not great on practice. Just let's just look at their their Olympic team <laughs> from the Winter Olympics. Banned. What did they want to do? Practice? No. They didn't want to do that. We're talking about practice, man. That's what we should be talking about. But no. They said, just like in this situation, let's jump ahead with some potentially dangerous injectable wonder drug. You know, the athletes, it was steroids. In this case, it's it's an unproven vaccine. But what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Clinical trials. Practice? That's right. And China, I'm looking at you too, because they also did this as well. You know, without the without the trial, without the this large scale you know, group without the placebo, what are we gonna do? How how are we gonna, how the hell can I make my teammates better by practicing? How, how are we gonna make our our vaccines vaccines better? 
How the hell can I make my teammates better by practice? How how the hell am I going to make my vaccine better? Ooh, clinical trials. How the hell? How the hell can I make my teammates better by practicing? That's right. That's exactly right, Alan. Thank you for that, Alan. The clip that keeps giving. How the hell am I going to make my? How the hell can I make my teammates better by my vaccine better? How the hell am I going to make my vaccine better? Clinical trials. So unfortunately, not only did Russia not do the not do the trial practice, they didn't do the work. Uh, what work they have done is now also being called into question. So the data that they have released um, showed that they only tested the vaccine in about 76 people. So this is like a phase one, two trial. Um, but there's a group of scientists that have called into question the data on this, 76 people. So not only is it not enough, but now it looks like the data might be manipulated, we'll say. Uh, in this open letter published in the journal Nature, the scientists said that, first of all, there wasn't enough data. There was just a few box plots or graphs or something like this. So they would have expected that we would see a lot more information about the immune response and what they did and all that. So it's kind of bare bones in that sense. Um, but it also looked like different participants, so different two different people in this group of 76 had the exact same level of immune cell response, even though they had been given two slightly different formulations uh, of, the, of the vaccine. So the odds of that are incredibly low. Incredibly, incredibly low. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, Russia? Come on. Do better. You need to do better than this. So this is why when we hear about the halting of the AstraZeneca trial, it's actually a good thing. This is exactly what we want to see. Practice? How the hell can I make my teammates better by practice? How the hell can we make our vaccines better? How the hell can I make my teammates better by practicing? Yeah, exactly. How the hell can I make my teammates better by practicing? We're going to do the work. AstraZeneca's doing the work. So for all the faults that you might have with Big Pharma, they're doing the work. And the trial was halted because one person out of ten thousands, out of the tens of thousands enrolled, got sick. So you stop the trial and see if this is because of the vaccine or just some kind of random other illness. Maybe they were going to get sick with something else. Or maybe it was an interaction with the vaccine and some kind of underlying condition that they had. This is the process. This is how it works. You want to know exactly what went wrong with that person so that we can give warnings to the other people who might have that condition and say, okay, this vaccine is not going to work for you. Uh, or we can make a very stringent risk assessment that says, hey, maybe one in 30,000 people, there's a chance that they you know, have a bad response to this vaccine. And then we have then we have the information. Then we can know uh, what the risks are when we go into it. So why did Russia rush ahead? Excuse the pun. Obviously, it seems political. I mean, there's there's probably some money involved there because uh, you know some countries have ordered their vaccine, but I mean a lot of countries have pre-ordered a lot of the other vaccine candidates that are going through the trials. So. Um, that's not that that out of the ordinary. However, in the Russian case, they've 
put the cart ahead of the horse. So right now they've made agreements to do the phase three trials in India and a few other places, the Philippines, I think, but they approved it. They said, oh, hey, let's, it's totally safe, but we're now gonna do the safety trials. Rather than doing the safety trials to find out that it's safe, we're gonna say, hey, it's safe. Now let's just do those trials. So obviously it's a political angle. Uh, Russia was was hit bad by the virus, uh, so they're looking, I'm sure Putin is looking to say something to his people. Uh, don't worry, we got it under control. Uh, and then there's also, you know, hey, look at Russia, we're the best. We figured out the vaccine before anybody else. Make you famous. That's right. That's what Putin wanted. Make you famous. We're the guys that got the vaccine out there. And this is really uh, concerning, especially when we look at the U.S., our friends over in the U.S., because we all know what their president is like and we all know what he wants. Make you famous. He is going to try and and he is already trying to uh, hype up a vaccine uh, for political reasons. Make you famous. So in a, in a recent interview uh, with the publication Medscape, which is like the Sports Illustrated for doctors, uh, it's a it's a big trade news outlet outlet for uh, physicians. We had a real OG of vaccine science weigh in on this uh, this dangerous situation of politicizing the the vaccine and also just where we're at in terms of this unprecedented situation of having this many vaccines uh new new vaccine strategies all moving ahead uh so quickly and this was an interview with paul offit so paul offit like i said og of vaccine science he was the co-inventor of the rotavirus vaccine widely considered one of the top experts on vaccines vaccine safety immunology uh he now sits on the U.S. National Institute of Health, um, a special committee of public and private members uh, known as the Accelerating COVID-19 Therapeutic Interventions and Vaccines Committee. Gotta love a good acronym. ACTIVE. So the ACTIVE Committee uh, is advising on the clinical trials of COVID-19 vaccines. So Buddy knows what he's talking about. He's done the work. He's been there. He's a trusted voice in this space. And here's what he had to say in an interview with Medscape, the editor of Medscape, um, regarding the overall landscape and status of the search for the vaccine. Well, it's an unprecedented moment. Um, Never before in history have so many companies or so much money or so many different ideas for how to make a vaccine been brought to play. Uh, And so um, we're using every strategy that has ever been used to make a vaccine before as well as a handful of strategies that have never been used to make a vaccine before. Um, it's all happening as at warp speed. And I think at some level that's disconcerting. A lot of the language that surrounds this warp speed, finalist, race for a vaccine, I think scares people that either timelines are being um, inappropriately uh, truncated or worse, that safety guidelines are being ignored. Um, but I think that, that, that that we're good. I think right now, eight companies are in the midst of phase three trials, large prospective placebo controlled trials to prove efficacy, and at least to some extent, or efficacy for a certain length of time, and prove uh, safety at least in a certain number of people. So I think it's all, right now it's all good. As, as long as the phase three trials don't get truncated, as long as they, that, that uh, the administration doesn't try and reach, reach its hand into warp speed and pull out a couple of vaccines and oversell them because there aren't enough data yet, I think we're fine. Yeah, to go from warp to warped. 
uh, I guess, in some respect. Ooh, did you hear that at the end? My man, editor of, of, of Medscape magazine, Eric Topol, with the, with, the, with the sick burn in there. I jest. I jest, Mr. Topol. You make a valid point, and I shouldn't rag on you for the joke. It was a good one. This is the point. This is the point is that it would get, as my man Eric said, warped really quick uh, if the administration started to do what they did with hydroxychloroquine or convalescent plasma and hype a certain candidate ahead of the data. That is not what we want to see happening. Um, and Mr. Offit actually went on to, to make another point uh, regarding these, these trials. Uh, and in this time, he had words for the pharmaceutical companies themselves. Take a listen to this. With which you have no commercial experience. I think you can assume that there may be a learning curve here. And, and for me, I guess one of the aspects that's most disconcerting is I wish there was a little more humility from some of these companies. I mean, they're always sort of pounding their chest as to how they're going to have this vaccine. I think just within the last day, the CEO of Pfizer said, I think we can have a vaccine by the end of October. I'm sorry, are you on the data safety monitoring board? Are you yeah, well, seeing these really, things? Really, really. So. Well, you know. Oh, snap. Are you on the safety board? Burn. But he makes a good point. He makes a really good point. Uh, and it's a point that was articulated by other uh, experts in the vaccine space. Uh, one Peter, Peter Hotez, doctor and professor um, at Baylor University, I believe, uh, another OG in the vaccine in the vaccine community. Um, he's written lots of books. He's out there all the time doing the hard work of combating anti-vax narratives. Um, he's a great follow on Twitter, uh, written books, and just an overall great guy uh, when it comes to promoting vaccine safety and awareness. Um, and he points out that this Operation Warp Speed, this, this, this push to get the coronavirus vaccine, should have its own communications team and that we shouldn't be leaving this up to the companies. Um, there's an issue there surrounding um, you know, how much information they're actually releasing. So the, the announcement that the, that the trial had been halted, that the AstraZeneca trial had even been halted due to this one, uh, this one case, it didn't, it didn't come out you know, in a press release or anything like that. It, was, it came out because they gave that announcement to a shareholders meeting. The CEO announced that to the shareholders to calm the shareholders and let them know that, yes, we had to stop it, but don't worry, don't sell your stocks. It's all part of the process. And that's not how you want to hear about that message. You know, you already have people, you have the anti-vax people, of course, they're not going to, they're not going to believe anything you say, but you have people that are already worried that the safety process might be uh, uh, being skirted, like Offit said, when we're using all this language like the race and the warp speed and stuff like that. So you already have concerns like that. So you don't, you don't want the messaging to come from the guys who have the most to profit in the pharmaceutical industry. You already have the, the stigma of big pharma, right? So why not have a dedicated strategy team? So in a tweet, 
a couple days ago, Peter Hotez even said, you know, we need these people to succeed. We need this communication to be good and that he's happy to help. And I would say, take his help, take him up on it. The guy's out there doing it already. Let's, let's, let's leverage it. And he's a great communicator. Uh, in the Twitter thread in which he said this, um, you know, Matthew Harper, who is a great reporter over at Stat Magazine, a lot of our, our information comes from Stat Magazine, shout out Stat Magazine. He was saying, he questioned, you know, uh, I think the company should be disclosing more, but what's the problem? You know, what's, what's, what do you see as the problem? Um, and Hotez said, like, look, it, it's, it's nothing specific, but there's a tone deafness of their ongoing uh, communication, and all three of these companies have made mistakes, so Moderna, Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, and they seem oblivious to the fragility of the vaccine space. That's how we put it. They seem oblivious to the fragility of the vaccine space and how quickly public opinion will crush even a good vaccine. And this is a very important point. And it goes right back to Trump doing what Trump's doing. It goes right back to Russia doing what they're doing. And it puts some blame on the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies as well. And just look at the lack of trust in public, public institutions that we're seeing um, across the world. I mean, it's, it's easy to pile on the U.S. in this situation, um, but 10,000 to 20,000 people showed up at an anti-mask rally criticizing, criticizing the German government response. Large rally in Montreal in Canada the other day. Um, there's a there's a message failure, uh, or at least maybe maybe not a maybe not a complete failure, but it could be better. And I think that's the point that it's a great point that Offit makes and that Peter Hotez makes and others have made. Um, H. Holden Thorpe, an editor at uh, the Science Family of Journals, another you know top place for scientists to go to get news and like the scientific data. Uh, he just wrote uh, an editorial uh, last week also uh, in which the abstract for which is the failure of the U.S. government scientists in the Trump administration to follow the science around COVID-19 has left the medical community to fend for itself. So you have attacks on the medical community, mistrust in the medical community, and a disjointed response to that that's not getting the message out um, in terms of Real, a, a realistic timeline for the vaccines, uh, realistic explanation uh, expectations for the vaccines, and treatments. You had the hydroxychloroquine got pushed uh, by the administration, uh, which led to the scientists caving in and giving an emergency use authorization, which led to millions of dollars uh, of wasted money in studies to monitor those trials of the emergency use that found that it wasn't doing anything and it wasn't worth it and it was potentially dangerous, so pull the plug on it. Um, you had the, the latest was the convalescent plasma, the antibody therapy, um, which, again, pushed by the administration, looking for a way to say, look at everything's going to be fine, don't worry about it, don't look at how badly we screwed this up, we have a, 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 a treatment on the way. Uh, only to have the scientists have to walk that back. Um, and it's leading to articles in a number of publications saying, you know, the CDC has lost credibility. 
uh, all of these institutions that you would normally think about um, in terms of, like I said, even if you're not a hardcore anti-vaxxer, um, losing faith in, in these in these public institutions. So it's really not a good situation. And we should be less concerned about the process of, of, the, of the clinical trials, you know, trust that uh the process is working that the practice that's right that practice is being done it's it's working uh and more concerned about rushing ahead of that of unrealistic expectations of the uh, politicization of this stuff so according to the experts like peter hotez paul offit and others um don't expect anything until late second quarter, early third quarter of next year. So three quarters of the way through 2021 is when we might expect a sort of broad rolling out of a vaccine that is effective enough and safe enough that any risks that do come with it, I'm not going to sit here and say vaccines don't have risks, even though they have very few uh They've been proven time and time again to be incredibly safe. Uh, when we're dealing with a new one that's been rolled out this quickly, uh, obviously there will be uh, risks. There will be certain uh, things that we need to watch out for. But it won't be, that's why we should wait until late next year to get it right, do it right, and then have something that is effective enough that balances the risk and the benefit so that we can as everyone says, get back to the normal, get back to the new normal or get, get back to the new normal. doesn't make sense. Get back to normal or have some kind of semblance of new normal. So the point being, after all of this, I hope you understand where we are at. Uh, phase three trials are moving along. We do have a new potentially revolutionary uh, vaccine technology uh, on the horizon. It is uh, it comes with both uh, great promise and some risk that we need to uh, manage and do correctly. We need to do the work. We need to put in the practice. That's right. We need to put in practice. Thank you, AI, uh, in order to get it right. And we need to manage our expectations. And so let's hope that uh, as we move forward, I mean, I would say let's hope that the messaging tones down and, and everything calms down. <laughs> but uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So it's up to us here in the two Brad world, in the podcast world, in your own little communities to sort of understand what's going on and, you know, take the measured tone and just be prepared because we'll get through it. We, you know, we, we, it is going to, it is going to, in the words of the president, go away. Uh, just not in the way that he meant it. So thank you all for listening. Uh, that was the, the latest in the vaccine uh, update. I hope you like that we got our new soundboard set up. Oh yeah, that's right. We're going to be adding sounds as we go. We're going to be having a lot more fun here on the show. We've got a new feed. we got a new host. Uh, so we're going to be getting things to you hopefully much quicker. And... 
All I ask from you is that you follow us on Twitter at Two Brad for You. Follow us on Instagram at Two Brad for You. You can follow me on both those things at B Subscribe to the show if you've already done so. Us moving to the new platform shouldn't matter at all. Look out for uh, potentially a new website. All of that, I will update you, of course. Uh, give us a give us a rating. Give us a comment. Tell me what you think of the of the soundboard. Tell me what you want to talk about. Tell me what you want to hear. You can even tell me that you don't like me. I'll take it. I'm not gonna do anything about it, but I'll take it. And as always, stay safe, look after each other, and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>